this week on Missions Today. My father was in a governmental meeting, sort of 30, 40 miles away from where I was. And in the middle of the meeting, this woman said, I saw the weirdest thing this morning. I saw a bloke in a suit carrying a cross. And my dad went, well, that's my son. And then proceeded to share the gospel with them, which is incredible. As a non-believer said, this is what my son believes. And, and so at that point, I'm like, huh, there's something in this of representing Jesus, the nature of Jesus in a way that is visible. Making Christ known in a visible, tangible way. That's really at the heart of the dream for the Eternal Wall Landmark. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Richard Gamble, our guest this week, has been on a quest for almost 20 years, a quest to build the world's largest monument, pointing to the presence and faithfulness of God. It's been a long journey to get here, but Richard and his team are currently in the final phases of work before the actual construction begins. This landmark or monument also has another unique feature that you might just want to be a part of. You see, the Eternal Wall is all about answered prayers. It's the Eternal Wall of answered prayers. That's our focus this week on Missions Today. Hey Richard, so appreciative of your time today. Why don't you begin by telling us a bit about this incredible landmark? So imagine a, a giant infinity loop, which is white. And it is the size of an American football field. And uh, the arch of the loop goes up about 123 feet into the skyline. And it's made up of a million bricks. And every single brick will represent a story of answered prayer, a story where somebody has prayed to Jesus and he's answered. And people who come and visit will be able to point their phones at any one of the bricks on the structure. Their phone will light up and it will tell them the story of hope that lies within. And for us, this is a way of building a what we believe will be a globally iconic landmark, which is going to make hope visible, not just to the UK, but to all the nations. We're going to come back to some specifics about the monument itself, but let's get to your story first of all. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years and your journey of faith. Yeah, I I wasn't brought up in a Christian family. I was 11 years old. I put my glass against the wall to overhear what my mum and dad were saying. I, I learned that as a trick, and I heard that my mum might have cancer. So I just sat by my bed put my hands together. I didn't know how to pray, but I just said to God, will you look after my mom? And I just felt God there and telling me it's going to be okay, which it was. And then really, um, that was at the age of 11. It was nine more years till somebody shared the gospel with me. And when they did share the gospel with me, I, you know, I didn't need persuading. I was like, great, let's, let's do it. And I, I think that has been a motivating factor in my life that I had to wait nine years till somebody shared the gospel. And, you know, I want the gospel to be more accessible. And and then, you know, just went wholeheartedly into what God had got for me and um, went to Bible college, led a few churches. And it was uh, 19 years ago when God spoke to me and gave me this vision of of the wall 
and uh, I sort of got home and my wife recognised a little twinkle in my eye and she said, what, what's going on? I said, oh, I think we're going to build a national landmark. I didn't know it was going to take me about 23 years at the time, but, um, you know, and it's been an adventure. It's been a roller coaster, ups and downs, but we've really seen the favour of God. We would not be able to do this without that. And it's exciting now that, you know, we're in we're in good shape. I want to come back to that story in just a moment, but just prior to that, you talked about this experience as a young boy and then kind of a, a more formalized presentation of the gospel at the age of 20. Uh, did you immediately have the feeling you would go into some type of ministry? You said you went to a, to a Bible college, so ministry was in your mindset? Uh, not at the age of 20, it wasn't. No, I just graduated from university. I was trying to uh, do a career, follow a career in marketing. But then one day I just felt, hmm, maybe God wants me to go to Bible college. And I, I went to see my pastor and... Uh, he said, well, usually when God speaks, it means he wants you to do something now. So I was like, huh, OK. So that was it. I just gave up my job and sold everything I had and funded myself to get to uh, to get to Bible college. So I didn't have any great aspirations at that point. But then I was sort of at the point of leading a church and being sort of set into eldership. That was the discussion that was happening. And that was when God spoke to me about about the uh, the wall and and that really was like a, huh, okay that's what I need to do and there are plenty of preachers in this world um, and the world doesn't need another preacher so uh, so I thought okay this is specifically what God's called me to do so that's what I'm going to focus on a side note on something that you were involved with not quite as popular in America though growing in popularity soccer you call it football. You spent a little bit of time uh, working with footballers uh, in the UK as a chaplain. Yeah, that's right. I was I was chaplain of the famous Leicester City, who won the Premier League uh, a few years back, and you know that was an eye-opening experience. I loved it because they're not respecters of people in you know many ways. You know they don't really care what they say, and I loved the sort of the if you like the coarseness of that and they just ask very real questions you know I remember driving a footballer to a game and he's like who is this Jesus bloke then who is he and then and then they all start discussing in the car who Jesus is you know and occasionally I popped into the conversation but I love that reaching of people who are unchurched you know and um it was it was a it was a rewarding experience to do that for three years and then I I followed that up with um, doing chaplaincy at the 2012 Olympics as well, which is a very, very different experience to the uh, the soccer. And uh, I'm sort of I'm sort of uh, would love to go back, but I think it would be a massive distraction. I loved it too much. <laughs> uh, talk just briefly about that Olympic experience. Not everybody gets to uh, experience that in their lives. What was that like? Oh, it was yeah, it was sort of bizarre, really. You know, you're you know, you're walking along in this Olympic village, you know, round the corner come the US Dream Team basketball team who, who like, were all walking in slow motion, it looked like to me. And then you've got these dinky little gymnasts walking around. It was it was fascinating. But one of the interesting things for me was we, we, um, we had one meeting with loads of different athletes and competitors. And, you know, you've got one athlete, who's won another gold and he's he's talking about his journey of learning to be humble. And then you've got another athlete who's competing for the first time for their 
country in this event first time anyone's represented the uh the country in that event and and she completely blew it and she's just like trying to come to terms with you know that competitive loss after more than four years of training so it it really helped me understand the pressure cooker of olympic um competition and and also sort of helping athletes to not be performance related in their relationship with god um so you know some great fun some great moments but most of them confidential to be honest sure 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 uh let's talk about the the beginnings of this landmark monument uh tell us the story of how you felt that God was uh, encouraging you to move forward with this vision. Yeah, I um, so I, I basically was carried across around my county. I know that's not a standard thing to do, but I wanted people to think about Jesus during Easter, and and sort of try and take the message outside of the walls of the church. And it was a really interesting thing because I didn't speak to anybody. I just went on this eighty mile walk. And loads of people started talking about it in their co- in their colleges, in their workplace. And and the thing that really struck me was my father was in a governmental meeting, sort of 30, 40 miles away from where I was. And in the middle of the meeting, this woman said, I saw the weirdest thing this morning. I saw a bloke in a suit carrying a cross. And my dad went, well, that's my son. And then proceeded to share the gospel with them which is incredible as a non-believer said, this is what my son believes. And, and so at that point, I'm like, huh, there's something in this of representing Jesus, the nature of Jesus uh, in a way that is visible. And that's where the, the idea flashed through my mind. And then, and then really 10 years of praying about it, thinking about it and talking to people who like raise their eyebrows and think I'm an absolute nutter. Until then, nine years ago, I felt the urge from God to go right. You got to, you got to start working on this now. And uh, we, you know, we raised money to run a global competition to get it designed. And then I presented that in Parliament uh, to to in a parliamentary reception. And one of the members of Parliament went, you know, hey, this is a great idea, but how are you going to fund this? And I said, well, I've got a really big backer behind me on this project. And I'm very glad that they didn't go up for the follow-up question to ask me who the big backer was. Uh, But it was Jesus, because I only had £5 in the bank at the time. And I went then to, uh, was invited to go to a church in California, where we were just, we just went to pray for the land. And so we're praying for the land, and nobody knew what we were doing, who we were. But then a lady came up and she said, hey, I believe I've got a word from God for you he wants you to know that he's got some heavenly land prepared for you which is amazing to go halfway across the planet and then somebody speak to you like that so I went back to my team said this is what God has said and one of the teams said well if God said he's got some land I'll just find out where it is she was like that'll save us a lot of time I'm like yes it will so she just sent me a few days later she sent me a, a google map with a piece of land circled And what she didn't know was the person who owned that land had already emailed me just a few days previous to to see if we could meet. And I meet with this guy 
And basically, at the end of the meeting, he tells me, God had spoken to me 19 years ago. He tells me God had spoken to him 19 and a half years ago about the same vision to build a national landmark about Jesus. And he had set up a trust fund for it. And I never told him where the woman circled the land. He gave me one piece of land after six months. It didn't work. He gave me another piece of land. Again, didn't work. And then uh, his father said to him, stop messing this guy about. Give him the best piece of land. So he paid an architect to look at all his land in the country. And he came back with the piece the woman had circled right at the beginning. So we know on this journey, despite all the ups and downs, and we know that we've got God's favor and God has been connecting us with people to help us get this built. So tell us about what what is your projected timeline? Have you started any of the processes? Where are you in the in the work? Yeah, so we have our planning permission, our zoning permission, and we have built our access road, which is a, a mile long road. And we are now just in the final negotiations with contractors. And we look like we're going to start in the beginning of 24 and we'll open in 2026. So, you know, I've I've had years of will it, won't it happen? But that jeopardy now has gone. The jeopardy on whether this is built is no longer there. So I'm excited to tell you this is definitely going to happen. The jeopardy that I do have, though, is will I have enough stories of answer prayer? You did mention earlier that it's been a series of challenges. What are maybe one or two of the challenges you faced? How were those things resolved? Um, I think, you know, it's it's been a, a constant struggle to keep going because it's such a long period of time. And, you know, you get opposition, you get um, apathy, you get pushback particularly in the British culture, because we're not used to talking about God and saying what he's done. But you get some very practical restrictions, you know, to try and get planning permission for an unashamedly Christian landmark in the UK. That's a big deal. And without God's intervention, we, w- we wouldn't have done it. So um, it's it's been interesting in that God seems to just provide us just what we need just at the right time and i've had to learn patience i've had to learn the timing of god as well you know and submitting to his timing and his direction and i think the overall lesson as well that i keep reminding myself of i'd love to tell you i've got it nailed is this is his project not mine you know and and i can't strive or stress on it i just need to hold it lightly and say Lord, your will be done. You talked about the challenges of finding the prayer request. For those who maybe are just tuning in at the beginning, you said this will be constructed with a million bricks, a million prayers, a prayer on each brick that has been answered. Talk about the process of finding answered prayers. Well, what we are doing, I I suppose that, let me go to Scripture, because Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, don't let what you Basically, don't let what you've seen of God fade from your heart or your memory and make sure you pass it on to your children and your children's children. And and then in Psalm 145, it talks about proclaiming the deeds, proclaiming the deeds of the Lord to the nations and to the generations. And I believe we're fulfilling those scriptures. And what I'm asking people to do, what I'm asking Christians to do is to basically 
give us five minutes of your time and tell us the times where God has answered your prayer. Go online. So it's eternalwall.us and you can go online and share your story of answered prayer. And some of those stories might be the big wows and the suddenlies. We all like those. But what we want this uh, monument to show is not that, you know, God is a transactional God. What we want to show is that he's someone who journeys with us and that prayer is about a relationship. And so some of the stories might be where you prayed and God has said no, but he supported you through that process and and given you peace and given you strength. We want a whole range of stories. You know, we've had we've had, you know, one lady prayed for her husband for 50 years until he got saved. You know, we've had other we've had other stories of somebody desperately praying for food to feed her child, a single mother. And she went through the Lord's Prayer and said, give us this day our daily bread. And as she said, bread, the doorbell went and there was somebody standing there with loaves of bread. I mean, incredible, you know. And then we've had other stories of, you know, people who've lost a child at an early age. And and they just say, it's really difficult to say, but he has taught us a peace and contentment way beyond any circumstance. So the exciting thing for me, Colin, is... In 50 years' time, in 100 years' time, in 150 years' time, somebody will read those stories of answered prayer and it's going to lead them to the God who answers. And so I just want to, you know, that's where we need help. We need Christians to step up to the plate, give us some time. There's no cost, by the way, just your time and, and share with us what God has done in your life and go to eternalwall.us. We have... 90,000 bricks reserved for the United States of America. And when we fill up, we'll put two on each brick and then 10 on each brick and we'll we'll go for an infinity if we need to. That would be exciting. But the way I look at it is sort of in years to come when this is built, like Christ the Redeemer in Rio, that's an iconic global landmark. People Google that. Tens of millions of people Google that. All they find out is about a French guy who built it. But when people Google the eternal war, they'll find a database of stories of of answer prayer. And they'll be able to type in whatever circumstance or whatever situation of life that they're in and find people who've been in similar situations and called on God. Or they'd be able to type in Austin, Texas, as an example, and they'll be able to find the stories of what God has done in Austin, Texas. It's a bit like Nehemiah, you know, he built, they built the wall where they live. And and I assume from what you're sharing that people all over the world can participate in this. Correct. Yeah. We've had uh, over 85 countries currently have participated. Um, and, and the segment, which is right at the top of the arch, which I think most people will look at, uh, will be from the persecuted church. So we want to share stories of what God is doing in those countries, because those answer prayers are very, very different uh, to, to some of the prayers that we pray in the Western world. In the days and weeks and months ahead, you still got a couple of years left here, and uh, uh, praise God that you have remained faithful to this, because it certainly would have been easy to get out somewhere along the 20 years. Uh, as you head toward these final couple of years, uh, what are your prayers? What can we add to our prayer list? We're talking about prayers. We're talking about providing answered prayers. But are there some other specific things we can be praying for for you and your team? Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, 
I, I would ask for prayers of protection. You know, I, I believe when you are interested in sharing testimony, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. The enemy can't do anything about the blood of the lamb. That's a done deal. But he's going to try and try and mute the church on testimony. So so um, I would appreciate that. And I think one of the greatest prayers is when you pray for wisdom. And we are building something that's never been done before. The structure is pushing the bounds of engineering. The technology that we're going to use is has never been used in this scale before. It will be the first biggest Christian landmark in the world, the first use of digital and physical. And we need wisdom. I mean, obviously, we need money. Obviously, we need answered prayers. Obviously, we need support. We need wisdom. We need God to just help us, give us peace, give us wisdom. And I suppose the, the thing I would say is, you know, we need people to be part of it. You know, I want to be able to stand in front of the, the world's press on the day we reopen and tell them that hundreds and thousands of people have got behind this. Because when some skeptic looks at this colossal structure, they've only got to believe one of the bricks. They've only got to believe one of the stories for their life to be transformed. And that is our prayer. That's a great prayer. Uh, one other thing, I don't know if I asked you originally or if you said, what was the purpose or focus of the infinity symbol? I know you had a competition. What was it about that 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 caused you to say, this is it, this is why we want this? Yeah, well, it was a beautiful and elegant design. We didn't want it with Christian iconography because we want to draw people in. But I think what it speaks to is of God who always answers, who never stops. And when you say you're going to build a wall, people often think a wall separates people. But the way this infinity loop is, is there's, it's a wall with only one side. So you can never be on the inside or the outside of it. And we thought, well, that was a great way to show the sort of the welcoming arms of God, really, for anybody who wants to come. Richard, thanks so much for your time today. It's a pleasure to have you. We'll be sure to link people to eternalwall.us. And uh, I'll pray that we get all of those slots filled from the U.S. Uh, for the wall. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for your time. What an incredible opportunity we have to be part of this amazing project, the Eternal Wall of Answered Prayer. We'll link you in today's podcast notes to that website. It's eternalwall.us, eternalwall.us, and you can share your answered prayers there. Again, there's no cost for that. It's absolutely free. I encourage you to be one of those in the U.S. that adds your answered prayer to the Eternal Wall Monument, scheduled to begin construction in 2024. And I also want to take you back just a moment to Psalm 145, which Richard talked about. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And then listen to this, verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That really is the vision of this monument. To commend God's works to one another, to the next generation, and ultimately declare his mighty acts among the people. And it's a pretty cool thing to look at as well. Hey, I hope you'll be a part. Again, we'll link you in today's podcast notes 
so that you can be a part of the answered prayer on the eternal wall of answered prayer. My thanks to Richard for joining us today. Well, maybe you've heard talk today of prayer and of gospel and of relationship with Christ. If you're not in that place right now, if you don't have that relationship, you've not ever given your life to Christ, never submitted yourself to the Lord's leadership, today could be that day. It's not easy because Christ had to die for our sins, had to die for those things we've done wrong. But he was the substitute for us, the payment for us. God made that happen so that we can be reconciled, we can be brought back in relationship with him. Our sin is what separated us, and Jesus is what makes that pathway back to him possible. If you haven't had a relationship with Christ, but you'd like one, pray a prayer, something like this. There's nothing magic about the prayer, but something about the attitude of your heart. Two main things, believe in Jesus and turn from your sin. Repent, turn away from those things you're doing wrong. That's the simple gospel. Say, Father, I. I love you. Thank you for making that sacrifice of your son, Jesus, for my sin. I want to follow you. I want a relationship with you, and I want to stop doing those bad things that you said I shouldn't be doing. We call it sin. I turn from those things, and I turn to you, and I ask you to be Savior and Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, my friend, or something like it, and you meant it in your heart, you are a follower of Christ now. Begin to read his word, begin to fellowship with those who are fellow believers in Christ. It will make a tremendous difference in your life and certainly your eternity. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we'll talk to a couple in a challenging part of the world who are supporting the local church and local missionaries and pastors. This is Missions Today podcast brought to you by Resource Global.